Happy Thursday and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Rocketeer Minute where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of the greatest adventure movie Walt Disney's ever made, the 1991 Joe Johnston directed feature, The Rocketeer. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Hal Bryan, an airplane nerd from the Experimental Aircraft Association here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. So Jim, here we go. Another day, another minute, and another great guest. It's... uh, a privilege once again, uh, as it always is, to introduce the guest. And this time we've got a gentleman named Brett Stillo. And Brett, uh, according to his bio, he loves movies. He likes to watch them, talk about them, uh, write about them, work on them. Uh, he's got a short film called Swing Shift that maybe we'll talk about a little bit that uh, uh, was on the Lovecraft uh, Film Festival circuit. And uh, he's also uh, uh, involved in this crazy world of by-the-minute podcast with uh, Five Minutes of Trouble. So it's a weekly podcast uh, where they go over Big Trouble in Little China five minutes at a time. Now, Jim, I didn't know that was an option. I didn't know we could do yeah, five well, they, minutes. Well, they they're doing the Reader's Digest <laughs> version. It was, it's very enthusiastic. It's kind of the, the striding version of this. The striding version. We're, we're, so we're not, a, not, not us plotters. We have uh, been ostracized by the Movie Minute community for being... You know, out out on the fringe, you guys. You're well, just, these just five wild minutes. men. It's you know, like your film, you'll be a cult classic. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. a cult classic. Yes, you know, it's, we we experiment with time and space. But yes, that that would be me, <laughs> Brett Stillo, and it's and great how, to have you. Thank you. It it is an absolute blast to be here, guys. Congratulations. This is a fantastic podcast. The fact that I am on the same show with the grandson of Charles Lindbergh, though that was a few episodes back. <laughs> And you have actual rocket pilots, and you know, then there's me. <laughs> so I'm honored to be here, and I too love this movie. Loved it from the day it opened. Big fan of the comic book, of course, and I'm just going to gush. I'm just going to gush, huh? though. Hey, gush well, away. That's usually Hal's job, but you can yeah, gush Yeah, so we you pretend want. we have a no gushing policy. And actually, I've, heard, I've heard Jim gush. Let's and be, actually, let's be I, fair. I got one favor. I, I never hear enough of the opening theme. Could we just hear a few more seconds just so okay. that opening Let, theme? Let's fit it in right here. We'll just do just do ten seconds, okay? Okay. Ten ten should be enough, do you think? Okay, here we go. Ah, yeah. It's very enjoyable. Yes. Uh, Suddenly I'm in a Stutz Bearcat drinking root beer with a sheepdog. I keep thinking we should give everybody who's a guest, we should give them a kazoo just so they can feel at <laughs> home. By all means. By all means. Thank you, Tom Geyer. That song yes. just hits me where I live. He is uh, he is a stunner. He, he really knows what he's doing. You know, it's like there's, there's people that you meet and it's like, wow, I, uh, I can't get over that we have this kind of a sound for, yeah. for our little uh, recording sessions. And I swear to you, he was, he was 100% every bit this talented – when he was, when we were eight, that's, that was the <laughs> that was the weirdest thing about it. It's like I sit down at piano, podcast. pluck out a, a song with one finger, and then you know he uses all thirty fingers and just jams through it. It was it was uh, amazing then. It's amazing now. Was he well known for his kazoo solos then? Uh, no, no, he was. Uh, you know, he was like second chair kazoo. Yeah. So, well, piano was more his gig. Just and please we, tell me when he recorded it, he was wearing a straw hat and he had arm garters. Yeah, I think along with the striped shirt. They have yeah, red, striped red shirt. and white, yes. <laughs> I can't imagine well, it any other way. No, that's the way there it goes. Well, actually, we're, we're talking, speaking of music, we're talking about uh, in this particular minute, minute 69, we're still hearing a night and day playing in the background. 
uh, great. You know, it, it just perfectly set for the time. Yeah. And uh, we're... And this is the second Cole Porter song featured in The Rocketeer. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, It really fits. I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, I, I guess they couldn't fit Anything Goes because that's uh, that's a different different movie on another show. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it it does it does go perfectly here. But we we get the uh, the denouement for uh, for Neville as he discovers that floating little piece of uh, <laughs> cardboard a hunk of menu, I believe, uh, that says "Meet me by the big fish." Yeah. Now I have a confession to make. It's been a while since I've seen the whole movie, so coming in on this minute, you know, I I wasn't able to see the prior minute, and I my first reaction is. Did they have nachos back then? <laughs> Something about Timothy Dal- Dalton with a nacho just—it didn't work for me. So it seems yeah. a little anachronistic. Yeah, he's just—he's—he has to deal with Jenny's obsession with tomato soup. <laughs> everywhere they go, there's tomato soup for Jenny. At least she didn't spill it on this white outfit. Yeah. Over, over, back behind the uh, the big fish fountain. Right. Uh, Cliff is there, and he's he's going. You know, he's using that that great uh, Billy Campbell line: "Scram, get get out yes. of here, scram!" And go on, scram. Yeah, yeah. beat it, oh, you knucklehead. Yeah. <laughs> is that the first time that scram has been used in this movie? Uh, no, we better scram earlier on when uh, when they're going to catch that Cagney movie at the beginning. Uh, right, right. We better scram if we're going to catch that Cagney. And it's wrong. It really is wrong that I can remember that. Just, <laughs> uh, you know, you you watch a movie like 187 times. Yeah, you must know. Stick. You must know everything uh, that Kurt Russell drops you know, when when he's referring to his character in the third person. Pretty um, much. Yeah. Pretty much. I close my eyes and I see Kurt Russell. <laughs> Is um, he wearing um, lipstick or not wearing lipstick? <laughs> <laughs> wearing lipstick, of course. Yes. Is is now a good time to point out that uh, Kurt Russell once gave me a high five? Ooh, <sighs> do tell. Um, I, I, I don't know. I kind of like it better. I like the short version better. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Out there. So he's uh, he's an avid pilot, and we were uh, he made a quick stop uh, just as an attendee, sort of zipping through the hall at a at a uh, aviation trade show where I had a booth years and years ago and I was milling around and there's a crowd and then there's suddenly a it's kind of a murmur and this guy comes sort of cruising through and he's high-fiving a lot of people. So I look and squint and I thought, that's not, is that really? And so, you know, so I went to give him the high-five. I almost pulled my hand away at the last minute and said, ooh, safety, Jack, safety. But yeah. <laughs> it didn't Aren't work. you Jeff Bridges? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, oh, anyway. wow. oh, those laconic surfer cowboy dudes from yeah. the 70s and 80s. How we love them. Yeah, that well. is very cool that you got to high-five Kurt Russell. And I I didn't know he was a pilot. That makes him even cooler in yeah, my Yeah, what was the movie? Was it, uh, is it Executive Decision? Yeah. The uh, the thing where Steven Seagal mercifully dies in the first few minutes or yeah, appears to? Yeah, that was, yeah. I, there was wild applause, yeah. Yeah, uh, so there's a great long shot of, uh, of Kurt Russell flying a straight-tail beach bonanza. And, you know, you're zoomed in tight on him and you think it's got to be on a rig or something. And then we, we pull back and back and back. And he's really there in the left seat of the airplane. And I think it's even his airplane. Okay. Now, whether, you know, probably legally in for the underwriters of the film, he's probably got, you know, a 20 million hour stunt pilot sitting next to him in his own airplane. and be like, you know, yeah. you wouldn't be allowed to drive your own car in a film. Yeah, it's probably the best part of that movie for me. Wow. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. I, you know, thinking back on the whole plot, it's probably the best for everybody. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> except for when Steven Seagal dies yeah. and when you've got like eight people climbing out of a of a, an F-117 stealth fighter. But you know, I digress. G- give the people what they want. That's Big <laughs> glove compartment in those yeah. stealth jets. Northrop uh, designed an extra big glove compartment. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what it was. If I can go back a minute, I when I watched this minute when I reviewed it, I, I did a double take because there was there was Timothy Dalton acting all shifty, and I didn't recognize him for a split second. You know, wow. I had to say to myself, "Well, wait, who's that with the mustache?" Uh-huh. He's so wonderfully nervous and fidgety and anxious. It's like your classic inept British villain. He's he's channeling David Tomlinson and Terry Thomas there. Yeah. You almost yeah. thought you think he's going to eat that note. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's been... a great point. This is one of the sort of the, you know, we've seen his temper before in this movie, but we haven't really seen, and Jim, correct me if I'm if I'm missing the obvious here in my addled brain, but I don't think we've really seen him start to start to lose it like like things are unraveling. You know, he's been angry, he's been furious, and... And uh, well, he you did. Know, he, chopping he did, up some lilies, but yeah, uh, that's. I was just wondering if, if that counted, if, if yeah. taking out your epe and wiping out a day lilies. And it, you know, that seems more like a. That's an expression of you know, he's he's mad and he's dominating the conversation. <laughs> this just looks like he's looking at this and he says he's been had. You know, who's this waiter guy? What's going on? I'm I'm not yeah, in he, control anymore. He had a certain script that he was following that he was going to work on Jenny, and then right. all of a sudden Jenny's Jenny's two steps ahead of him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's lost control of the narrative. Blast Pretty unusual for a Damon 38. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's, gosh, I, I'm sorry. I just keep stopping on the profile of uh, of Jennifer Connelly. And it's just, I forget, I forget what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah, she'll do that. She yeah. was only 19 years old yeah. here? Yeah. Oh, the world's gosh. unfair. That'll yeah. make you feel old. <laughs> um. So, and uh, just all the, uh, I do like the random Artie Johnson look of the whole thing as they're flipping <gasps> past the potted palms and yes, stuff. He just, it, exactly. uh, of course, for children listening to our show, they might not know who, who Artie Johnson was. But, uh, but I was going to say that. That was when I was reviewing uh, this minute, I kept imagining Artie Johnson appearing uh, ideally from like right next to Artie jo- or, uh, Jennifer Connelly. Hello, yeah. Fraulein. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah, Artie, Artie Johnson. For those who have not grown up as uh, when we did uh, and have not watched, have not watched Nick at Night, they might have missed uh, Laughing. He was a popular character. Uh, Artie Johnson was uh, he would typically dress with a Nazi helmet, uh, and uh, he'd be smoking a cigarette, and wearing uh, uh, wire rim glasses, and just would uh, drag out his R's. As he said, "Very interesting." And that, uh, gosh, and I'm I feel really bad about having to explain that. I feel <laughs> just. <laughs> I, I, it's it's wounding me just trying to explain funny. Well, there was nothing funnier in 1969 than a Nazi. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. that that was comedy gold hey. at that point in our uh, cultural zeitgeist. Yeah, we, we all have, have our producers with um, Kenneth Mars and of course yeah. Hogan's Heroes. Yeah, and exactly. th- th- there's something about a Nazi helmet that just is com- comedy straight straight out. You got to start laughing. We get back to. Uh, 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 Clifford has uh, explained to Jenny what you know she's uh, she's got to get out and and uh, scram and beat it and all that. As he's getting out, we see uh, Spanish Johnny and uh, Mike who have just arrived to uh, talk to Neville. Which at this point, this is how long it would have taken. So in the time that Clifford put on his Rocketeer costume, flew to um, the corner of uh, Cherokee and Hollywood Boulevard, and undid his 
uh, Rocketeer costume, put it in a bag in the laundry room, put on a waiter's costume, went out and found, you know, served soup to uh, Neville and Jenny, and then uh, met Jenny behind the plants. This is how long it would have taken him to get to <laughs> the South Seas Club. So he has kind of a, a rough timetable there. Yeah, had he actually taken a cab like... Yeah, uh, like Lothar. Lothar <laughs> has done. And Lothar is getting out of that gorgeous 35 uh, DeSoto. Oh, yeah. Isn't it great? Yeah. And he's wearing he's wearing that Walter White from Breaking Bad pie <laughs> hat. Just, he is. But uh, before it was cool. Yeah. Well, he made it cool. Yeah, just, that's true. I I, I thought of, uh, I think it was a different color, but I thought of Buster Keaton. Yeah. Yeah. But the pork pie. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. Much so. But it is amazing. You know, we, we know that Tiny Ron, the ironically named Tiny Ron, is a, is a big guy. And, you know, you see him interacting sort of one-on-one with Cliff. But it's there's something about this shot of him getting out of the cab where he's just, he's, he's one and a half times the size of everybody in view. Yeah. You know, and it, we know Billy's a, Billy's a tall guy. But when you see the two of them together, you could think, well, you know, maybe Billy is, uh, Billy's a shorter guy. Maybe he's a Johnny Depp toy poodle, which we know is not the case. But when you see him, just a group of people, and he's just yeah, you know, he he steps out like a like a Coca Cola vending machine on you know on legs. <laughs> yeah. it just kind of it, it's like watching a vending machine walking around, yeah. and uh, with a very nice hat. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and a, a smashing vest. Yeah, yeah. he does, does look just nice. He's he's well suited for October in Hollywood, I guess. <laughs> He's going to go to a party at Boris Karloff's later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of a lot of people work for the South Seas Club. There's two guys answering the the taxi, the the, the doorman for the taxi. There's uh the fellow who is some kind of a he's the guy wait holding people back for the next taxi. Oh, right. And then uh as we as he passes, we see uh <laughs> Some guy that looks like he—he he looks like he just uh, stepped off the uh, the Broadway production of Anything Goes. Uh, a doorman who's wearing uh, some kind of a captain's helmet with a hat with scrambled eggs or something on the top. Yeah. And then there's there's another guy in like a beige uh, a beige dinner jacket to the left who seems to be the other doorman. So oh. they have a, they have like six guys just out front to handle the crowds. Yeah. And let's uh, let's not forget uh, Annette Benning's older sister, maybe the uh, hat check girl. Oh, the hat check girl. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, and and of course the uh, the hat on the seahorse right there. At yeah, yeah. Second thirty four is just didn't even leave a tip. Priceless. And did, didn't get the hat. Didn't get the hat check paper. So right. Do we know who the hat check girl is? is do we have an IMDb? I didn't name for find, her. Didn't I yes. find? Oh, actually, wait. I think we did. Fetching young lady. Fetching. I may have to check. Let me you talk amongst yourselves. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, how are you, Brett? I'm okay. Well, Hal, we'll, I'm we'll, okay. We'll Good, good. We'll so, chat while Jim Googles. I, I, I hear the uh, the EAA's trimotor might be visiting me sometime this fall. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. But you're out in the, the Bay Area, right? Yeah, yeah. Near, I, I am in San Francisco, which in is San your, kind of your old stomping grounds when you yeah. were a child. Yeah, you, so you have been paying attention. Yeah, I was born yeah, in San Mateo yeah. Hospital and grew up in Burlingame. We still have a house in Burlingame Hills in the family. Oh, oh great. Still got but, the house, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, the, I'm back. Oh, I'm hi, oh, uh, Jim. Hi. So, uh, after, enough about after the gym a, problem for now. Careful. Um, after a careful perusal of IMDb and, and other sources, I don't see anybody listed as we have the South Seas band leader, the South Seas mermaid, and the South Seas camera girl. But unfortunately, right. nobody else is listed as a uh, as a person. So she's could possibly be the casting director. Could possibly be somebody who was doing still photography, and they just said, "Here, put on this dress, and you're gonna, and you're going to hand this wrap uh, to uh, Jennifer Connelly." I'd like to think she went on to a fabulous career as an original member of the gorgeous, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. 
Yes, yes. Some, somewhere. So. Somewhere out there. Yeah, and this is where this is that point in the script where you say to yourself, "Oh, Jenny's home free. She just missed getting squashed by Lothar, and uh, she's out the front door. She actually makes it out the front door, and you're rooting for her, and you think, yeah, she's gonna be fine once she gets to that ta- oh the taxi guy. Somebody beat her to the taxi, and somebody else got in that thirty-seven Dodge. Yeah, oh. twenty somebody cents who, a mile. That's... Somebody who looked like Stubby K from Guys and Dolls. I don't yeah. think it was him. <laughs> yeah, I. Do you, do you know if there are any, I, I'm going to guess there are probably some crew cameos in these crowd scenes. You had some very interesting faces. Yeah, they all look like, I keep thinking some of them are ILM people or we don't we don't know who's who. And nobody has stepped up to point them out to us yet. Yeah. Um, one, one can hope that uh, maybe, maybe Mr. Johnston, in a fit of wanting to explain all the things that we've said wrong on this thing, he'll come and tell us what, what all these things are. So hopefully, Just uh, once and for all. Joe, if you're out there, let, let's talk. <laughs> We're ready. Now, I have a question which you guys probably have covered on a previous episode. For these exterior shots, you know, you, you get a glimpse in the background of a, you know, a great mid-century street scene. Uh, do you know if this if that was the Disney studio or were they on another lot? Uh, they're at at the Disney studios. From what I'm understanding, most of the most of the outdoor scenes there, those those night shots were from the Disney lot. There's okay. some little city area. I think they have a very small I have never been to the Disney lot, but from what I understand, they have a small uh, cityscape. Most of the ones that I've seen used are usually at Warner Brothers or uh, Paramount has that that really nice one. Right. But this seems to be a this seems to be near Disney that they they've shot it around it. You know, a quick aside, gentlemen, I've got uh, I've got the film open in Amazon's uh, web player as well, and once in a while, their X-ray feature will tell us a little something interesting that we don't necessarily get from anywhere else. Hmm. I I think this is just a mistake, but right around this time, they show a close-up of the hat check girl and identify her as Taylor Gilbert, but gives her give her role as stewardess. Yeah, Taylor Gilbert so would be the stewardess that's stewardess on the, on the trimotor. trimotor. Yeah, and uh, so I don't think that's the same person. Yeah. Although Tiny, Tiny Ron did play two parts, so maybe that's true. She's... Tiny Ron had two jobs in this movie, and we have reached out to Taylor, and unfortunately, she seems to be too busy to be on our on our podcast. But Taylor, if, if you're open, we've got about forty more episodes to go, so please, you know, you, you have our emails. Her <laughs> loss, because yeah. we may have uncovered her secret extra cameo, <laughs> double life. Yeah, that may be the case. Uh, yeah, just, if you know, it's uh, if it's not true, then then uh, that's an Amazon issue. Yeah. Let's just say it is. Okay. And see if anyone will challenge us on that. We're drawing the line we'll, in we'll, the sand. We'll find out. This is any idea what that uh, that convertible is that's driving off in the distance as uh, as Wait, Jenny know. misses her spot. I do not know what I don't that. Know if I get uh, enough of a good look at it, let me see. Here. Beautiful. It's got like a a little picnic basket on the back. Oh right. Just a stunner of a car. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but yeah. Let me squint at it for a moment. Now it's your turn. You guys chat amongst yourselves. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say it's a Stutz Bearcat. With a sheepdog in the back. So <laughs> with a sheepdog. That sounds good. Why not? This is a Disney a, movie. There is yeah. the obligatory sheepdog. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no Dean Jones, though. I was ho- so hoping the Dean Jones would show up here. It's, it's oh, not if quite only. A, a live action. Yeah. If only. And VWs were still on the scene. They could have had an early VW, especially with the Germans around. So. Yeah, that's true. Had had their chance yeah, in Muffet. KDF Wagen would have been popular at this point. Yeah. Not in the U.S., but hey, you can bring one over. Um, bring it, bring noticed, it over on the Zeppelin. I noticed across the street is the Hollywood um, Theater. No, Hollywood Playhouse having a uh, show of Having a Wonderful Time. Don't know if that's real or not, but that might be another thing to look up while you're, uh, while you're out there on the Google. 
Oh, I think I think I've heard of that movie. Having a wonderful time, 1938. Quick mm. to the IMDb yes. polls. Ah, even even as we talk about it, uh, Ginger Rogers tries oh. to get over love affair turned sour by vacationing at a summer mountain resort. She pretends to be more cultured and sophisticated than she really is, but her act is challenged by a handsome waiter named Chick, played by none other than Doug- Douglas Fairbanks Jr. <laughs> wow, so, another wow. great Hollywood mustache there. Yeah, yes, fantastic. Oh uh, initial release July 1st. It says fifth big week, so that maybe they haven't updated, or maybe it just this is a second run movie house. Yeah, it, it carried over. It being October 15th, it's you know it's carried over two quarters just about. It's a stunning hit. Also uh, starring Lucille Ball and Red Skelton and Eve Arden. So uh, quite a quite a comedy cavalcade across the street there. <laughs> and all these people decided to go see and be seen. They wanted to be there for Clark Gable and W. C. Fields and and of course number three's uh, box office uh, Neville Sinclair. <laughs> Also known as the number three joik, joik. Just to be, yeah. <laughs> just to be clear. So <laughs> interesting too. The theater marquee has popular prices. Yeah, so it's twenty five cents and fifty cents. Is that what that says? That doesn't so. sound very popular to me. I would think that <laughs> it would be a nickel. It's that's well. They are downtown. They're in the so, I, and it's it's all really tough to read what the the numbers actually are. It could be could be quite a bit less than that. I was trying to see what the uh, there's a there's a convertible. There's a yellow convertible. It looks like a Lincoln, kind of a cream color. Oh yeah. That Just you see off blur. to the, as Jenny's yeah. going for the cab, and we see it off the right side of the frame. Yeah. It does look like. Almost has the back of a coffin-nosed cord, but I can't I, yeah, tell Yeah, that, that the was blur. the other thing I was thinking, too, is. Uh, yeah, topper fame. With that color, it's a very would, cord color. Would have been the right year, 238, but uh, so many things to look at. If And, of course, they never came out with a special edition of this, so it's, yeah. it's one of those things that we'll just have to leave right. to our expert advisors. Hey, we are the special edition. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Say, Jim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did I ever tell you my coffin nose cord story? No, but I'm sure you can tell us right now. Uh, of course, it doesn't involve me at all. It, it involves my great uncle Harry, who just celebrated his 91st birthday. But this is uh, 1936, 1937. He is in downtown Los Angeles. He is admiring uh, a beautiful coffin nose cord, and he's just looking at the car. And who should get into the car and drive off but Amelia Earhart? Oh, my God goodness are you Whoa. serious yeah so he had a brief i think he was too in too much shock to say hello but he saw amelia yeah. hart get wow. into her car and then yeah this might have been 37 so she might have been on her way to meet fred noonan yeah or somebody oh. like that he just he was a teenager at the time and he was he was just focused on the car thinking oh my what a beautiful car <laughs> and then um, actually I, I i remembered one point this is in the days where your registration would be on the windshield Right. So he saw it belonged to an A. Earhart, and he figured, well, that's funny. There's all, <laughs> what a coincidence. So he did stick around, and yeah. uh, she did come out of uh, whatever building it was wow. in downtown L.A. So, and it was Holy a coffin nose cord. Huh. That's all I got. See you later. Uh, no, it sounds good. It, it, <laughs> it, was, it was a wonderful story, and you told it well. Thank you. Thank uh, you. I tried. That is amazing. I'm, yeah, still, uh, I'm still reeling from the, uh, from the, the third act, so yeah. well done. We go. We go from the taxi stand to uh, the uh, the jungle. The jungle surrounding the big fish fountain. We never do re- really get a good look at the big fish. It's it's at the top of that fountain, but they they studiously avoid it uh, in close up. And uh, yeah, they, a good, they good point. We always sort of shoot around it, don't they? Yeah, it is a big fish, and they they miss it about as much as Cliff misses uh, that Lothar is walking down the stairs, Herman Munster style. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they didn't and, show the big fish because it had to do with SAG. 
Yeah, probably. The fish yeah. didn't have a SAG card, right. so they just filmed yeah. around the fish, and uh, they would yeah. have had to pay the fish extras. So. Yes, they didn't have any fishing line, so it was just one of those things. Oh, um, man. <laughs> hey, set him up, I'll knock him down. It's oh. okay. <laughs> oh. He just thought did, of that. Give him credit. Yeah, it's right off the cuff. I'm just watching this thing. Zing. Spectacular. I, I do my favorite my favorite part of this entire minute is watching uh, Billy Campbell's hair rearrange itself on his head as he bumps into Lothar. His hair actually changes the part. It just goes <laughs> he's parted in the middle and then he's parted on the left. <laughs> Lothar finished. is just that solid. <laughs> yeah, he's like he hits him with his barber chest. Now that sounds like something a character would say in the Rocketeer. Yeah. I'll hit you so hard, I'll pot your hair. <laughs> Put a new pot in your hair. Yeah, yeah see? Right. Now scram. Now scram. Uh, just a, a great double take uh, by Mr. Campbell after he yeah. bumps into Lothar. Just that, you know, uh-oh. Yeah, that all, you, you, if it were on a Warner Brothers cartoon, you, you'd be hearing the obly, obly, obly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Ah, uh, yeah, you know, per- just a just a perfect Looney Tunes type moment. It's interesting how how quickly he reacts and how fast people keep dancing. I just, you know, it's like, right. oh, just because this seven foot tall lumbering guy is heading right toward us, oh, let's just, you know, let the band play on. Well, it's interesting too, Jim. You uh, you taught Billy and I a word, and you did such a good job teaching of it that I've forgotten it. Um, <laughs> but uh, we were talking about uh, we talk about music, whether it's in the scene or out of the scene. Oh, diegetic or non-diegetic. Yes. So yeah. in this case. You know, we're we're the score is coming up, and we've got uh, we've got you know some tension and some chase music getting set up, and everybody's dancing. But you know, to what? Yeah, That's, yeah. Uh, they're not dancing that... to the score because that would make no sense because they can't hear it. Only we can. Yeah, they're they're dancing to so, hopefully still night and day. Right, so hopefully it's still going. But uh, interesting that suddenly we. You know, we can't hear what's in the scene anymore, musically. Uh, so the so the music here is non-diegetic. Yeah, uh, the the yeah the, the Horner the music the Horner music is non-diegetic. The score itself is diegetic. Diegetic meaning being in this. There there is a source of the music in the scene. Right. Like when we're listening to uh, Begin the Beginning, for, for example. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Movie by minute podcasts. They're educational. Yeah. Yes, they you, are. You learn a lot. I uh, yes. now, And now eighty percent less diegetic. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I'm, I'm noticing as we get, come toward the end of the minute here is when Neville grabs uh, Mike and Spanish Johnny and he turns them to face, you know, go look at this thing. That is almost a spot-on lift from uh, the 1980 movie Flash Gordon where uh, Clytus is explaining that uh, Flash is fighting uh, his men like, uh, 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 like it's a football game. And he was trying to explain to him what the role of football was. And that, that just seems, if you know the movie Flash Gordon, you probably can identify that, that same scene. Only just picture instead of Timothy Dalton, it's Clytus. Anyway, that's my thought on the whole thing. I suppose maybe he really wanted to do that scene in 1980. Yes. And they wouldn't let him. And now, yeah, 11 years later, he gets he his was, due. He was too busy. Um, was it Arborea? Where, was he king of? Uh, yeah. Prince, well, yeah. Prince Baron of Arborea. Baron Arboria, of Arborea, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he just remembered. He goes, I know what we can do. We can do it like that. <laughs> Clifford is uh, Sam J. Jones. Um, <laughs> I, I will. I look for it some, someday. Somebody's going to do a Flash Gordon minute. I think it's it, it's it's due. It really is due. It, There's it may be overdue. That's, yeah, uh, we've talked about this on other in other occasions, and I keep thinking any movie that has Porkins in it has got to be worth worth doing at, at a minute by minute level. Oh, is is Hootkins in that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hootkins is. Um, Dr. Zarkov's assistant, uh, Benson, why are you running? Come back. He's like holding a gun on him. Man, and, a uh, short but illustrious career. 
Yeah, always memorable. (sighs) That's just what the Hebrews thought. Um, (laughs) So anyway, wrong movie. Wrong wrong movie, wrong podcast. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Can I I say something at this point, this this minute? Just overall really enjoying the cinematography and the very old-fashioned composition of the shots. Close-up, wide shot slow pan it's it i think you guys have mentioned this before but this this not only this has the 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 feel of an old movie joe johnson just totally nails that classic hollywood kind of look to the movie i mean this this could have been this whole sequence looks like something say from a movie from the 50s or a technicolor feature from the 30s and yeah uh, one of the things you can do and i have i have done it before and watching it turn off the color and mm. it's amazing it suddenly turns into this noir feature yeah that works just fine without the colors yeah, I I um, did that once with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Just yeah, same oh, that thing. Would work well. And uh, testimony to uh, the great cinematographer Hiro Narita. Yes, yes, he really knows how to how to sell it. I mean, how how we interpret. You know, we know we all know the shorthand of movies of this type. So it really plays on that part of the brain that we're not actively thinking about. But you you get in a mood, you get in a feeling about this whole thing, and the the sound, the editing, the composition yeah. it just really all, all feeds on itself. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, this is a pretty action-packed little sequence here. Characters are coming and going, but you know, there's a there's a pace. There's almost a beat here that the scenes are still allowed to breathe. You don't have the you know the modern no no steady cams and no no uh, steady cams, right. no shaky cams, just yeah, no, no camera locked on the end of a on the end of a pole looking yeah. at a character. You know, you're. Uh, yeah. It it really it, like you said it it just has that whole shorthand feel that you know what this looks like you know what it's supposed to look like and it does you could easily see you know the old baddies from well I'm, you could you could picture Rondo Hatton because there he is but you, <laughs> you can you can picture uh, you, you know uh, like I don't well, think I put I got I one Laird Cragar apparently he was a a very very heavy set. Kind of a B movie, uh, Sydney Green Street or Tex Sydney Green Street. Yeah, Sydney Green Street could easily be. He could actually. I, I would put him as Eddie Valentine. Nice. Or you know, and now that would be interesting. Recast this from the forties. Who yeah. would you uh, put and where? Oh, oh here yeah. we go. Got an hour. Um, <laughs> who who would be Jenny? Who would be your Jenny? Joan Bennett. I would have picked Myrna Loy. Myrna Loy's good, yeah, but the, but, the but not not as not as Zoftig enough. You know, she, yeah, she but, needs to be but, a little bit more. Courageous. But who would? But but. But Jenny's holding Myrna Loy's grapes, so that's true. Oh, yeah. Myrna Loy. How about is Eddie Valentine Brian Donlevy, a favorite of mine? Ooh, yeah, intrigue. How about how about Peavy? Who would you put for Peavy? Who would I put for Peavy? Um, uh, Gleason. What's his name? Uh, not Jackie. James Gleason. James. James yes. Gleason. James Gleason. James. Gleason. Or no, James Gleason. No, James Gleason would be one of the FBI guys. Yeah. Okay. There you go. How about? How about for Peavy? Think this is 1930s, not 1940s. But, yeah. And I just forgot his name. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait. Walter Houston. Oh, yeah. I could. I could see that. I'm thinking. But you got I'm, a better one. Go. <laughs> I'm thinking. No, I'm thinking with uh, the FBI guys. One would be James Gleason. The other would be William Demarest. Boom. Or or William Demarest would be Bigelow. Ooh. I could see. William I could see Demarest. William Demarest as cool. Bigelow. Nice. Or uh, yeah. I mean, we we're Gonsville here. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've gone to the Twilight Zone. Um, Gosh, Ronald Coleman as a, I mean, the, the the thing here would be Douglas Fairbanks, you'd say, okay, or, or, or Errol Flynn, you'd say Errol Flynn is, is Neville, but going against that, who would be, you know, be playing an Errol Flynn type? Well, you, you know, know, he's, sorry, I got all tongue-tied, but you know, one of my favorite actors from the era, Basil Rathbone, he doesn't yeah. quite have oh. the, well, the charm. Yeah. 
Yeah, but, and that uh, that's it. But no, but that's it. I mean, if you think of the sheriff of Nottingham, he's yeah. you know, he's perfect yeah. for it. Or you and know, for, for sorry, that matter, Olivia, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking Olivia de Havilland could easily play Jenny. Olivia de Havilland's a good choice. Yeah. You know who we mentioned earlier in the broadcast who did play a couple of bad guys in the late 30s. I'm thinking Prisoner of Zenda, but that would be Douglas Fairbanks Jr. So I'm thinking yeah. he could also be a good uh, Neville. But hmm. uh, and th- and this brings me to. Uh, a little story. Who would play Cliff in 1938? Tyrone Power. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I, I could see, see that. that. Okay, yeah. yeah. I could before, see that Yeah. When I was reading the comics in the early 80s, and before I knew what Dave Stevens looked like, I thought, oh, hey, he based Cliff on Tyrone Power. I thought he looked like Tyrone Power. Then I saw what Mr. Stevens looked like. I was like, oh, he could be the son of Tyrone Power. So You know, we are reaching the point where, um, I mean, we've seen Peter Cushing come back to life and, and act for us now. Right. And I'm just thinking eventually there will be movies that are set in the 30s that will bring, you know, you'll you'll see another Bogart movie. You'll see another Capra movie. You'll see Jimmy Stewart again. You'll see Lionel Barrymore again. You'll, all these characters. It's just a matter of uh, of working. You know, and as we were talking the other day with, uh, with Ron Fields, you'll probably see a W.C. Fields character. Yeah, yeah, really good. It just you know the scary thing is is that we have the writers to support it. I wouldn't mind. I mean, I wouldn't mind a, another Capra-esque movie, but I don't know. Who could write something like that? And would they be better served writing, you know, writing their own movie rather than yeah. writing something Capra-esque? Because yeah. so, you can use CGI to bring back Jimmy Stewart, but you can't use CGI to bring back Dalton Trumbull and his scripts. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, Robert yeah. Riskin or, you know. It, yeah. it just, and well, I think well, uh, when AI gets that advanced, I think we will have already been enslaved and they won't be making movie <laughs> yes. for us anymore. Yeah. No, I think when it's investment. Suffering under, uh, suffering so, under uh, Skynet or something, yeah. Exactly. Meanwhile, if we thought we lost the audience with Artie Johnson. Oh, yeah. there we go. <laughs> Tyrone who? So, Olivia de yeah. what? Yeah, and before we get away from this completely, I just want to throw out there, I'm stuck on this now because I don't think it's a good idea but as soon as I thought of it, I've been picturing it, picturing how different the movie would be. Of course, period movie in 38. What if we had Margaret Hamilton as Millie? Oh, I like that. Oh, I would have gone with Ma Kettle, but hey. Um, well, yeah, Ma Kettle is yeah. kind of low-hanging fruit. But this, uh, Margaret Hamilton would have this, she could have, she's, I don't know how old Margot Martindale would have been in this film. You know, you get the, you get the sense that she's everybody's sort of 40-something aunt. And uh, Margaret Hamilton would have been a little bit younger. But of course, with, you know, a year later, uh, after 38, The Wizard of Oz, she seems... I always assumed the Wicked Witch of the West was, you know, this sort of scary old crone, but I think she was only thirty-seven when that movie came out. Yeah, who was the uh, uh, the Wicked Witch that was originally? I can't remember her name. She had like a Swedish name, and she was rather uh, more more looking like uh, Sleeping Beauty's uh, uh, nemesis. Oh. Was was that um, Ona Munson? No, I want to say Sonnenfeld. Uh, <sighs> it's it's terrible when you think of something and you don't know the name for it. Uh, I do she it all was, the time. That's uh, the <laughs> story of my life. I will fight. Keep talking amongst yourselves. <laughs> Gail uh, Sondergaard. There you go. Gail oh. Sondergaard. Does that sound? Yeah. It was right on the tip of my internet. You could rewrite this whole thing a different way. Rather than having uh, Neville Sinclair, you could have Gail Sondergaard as the evil Nazi uh, temptress. <laughs> and having her going after Clifford. Of course, that would have been Rocketeer Part 2. Yeah, that's true. <sighs> I'm, I'm trying to remember a B-movie. I think it was in the 40s with Gail Sondergaard, and she's... Uh, she's done up as sort of a dragon lady kind of ca- a character. We'll just I'll I'll find a picture and I'll, I'll I'll post it on the on the bulletin board of the of the Bulldog Cafe. But yeah, Gail Sondergaard, great great evil character actress. 
Yeah, she just, you just look at her and just, oh, she's the bad girl. She's Yeah, and she had one of those careers that went on forever. I remember in the 80s watching a, a, a guilty pleasure of mine at the time, The Fall Guy with Lee Majors. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And uh, she <laughs> was the she was the bad guy, or the she was the evil octogenarian femme fatale in an episode of The Fall Guy. No kidding. Wow. wow. I just watched a few of those not too long ago. And then once I got past the, wait a minute, Lee Majors sings? You know, yeah, <laughs> for, the, for that opening theme. That's a, yeah. Although you know, his uh, his singing uh, that theme, I think, is uh, a lot better than Chuck Norris singing Walker Texas Ranger. Ooh. <laughs> and even though I know now that I will be visited in the night by yes. by the fist of Norris, but uh, putting that out now, because because Norris, yeah, he he talks through that. It's that bad yeah, kind but, of Texas and he, and he Rex Harris, though. There are, yeah, yeah, he's a Texas singing, Rick Harris. and it's it's double tracked, and mm. it's just not. The best thing ever. Yeah. You better but check anyway. under your bed for Chuck Norris tonight. That's yeah, what I know. <laughs> now, all you have to do is watch uh, the first 15 minutes of Lone Wolf McQuaid, and all will be forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> Love that one. That's my, wow. for the record, that's my favorite Chuck Norris movie. But uh, Noted and logged. <laughs> uh, that will get me nowhere. Uh, Jim, well. I love that he thinks there's a record. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is all on MP3. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, I do. <laughs> So I, I think uh, you know a special special Oscar should go to Billy Campbell's hair as it just seems to be flying everywhere as we're as we're leaving this this minute we just get to watch uh, it looks like the letter M just flapping in the breeze <laughs> as he's running in between the dancers and such. That's, uh, that's true. Superman had his comma, a uh, little hair, yeah, hair comma that came down, but but he's Chris like Secord a has a has a capital M. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he no. just you know obviously this is where mayhem is ensuing. So. Absolutely. Yeah. One one thought that occurred to me, this could have been a joke that they cut out of the, or ended up on the cutting room floor. You know, you have Lothar chasing Cliff around around the nightclub. Does somebody say, oh, that's a funny act? Ooh. Hmm. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. The, I was at the South Seas Club. They had this great new act. A, a, guy, a big guy chases a bigger guy. A bigger yeah. guy chases a smaller bigger guy. And... Uh, yeah, it know. all seems like something that, you know, the, the Three Stooges live stage show yeah. would be, you know, oh, there we go. I know that guy. He wasn't he? You know, with the Ritz brothers. But uh, I guess all the flames and the and things to, that are about to ensue are not. Oh yeah, that's that's <laughs> well, true. That, but that, I that's, forgot about that part. That that's a fir- that's a further minute. Right now, it's all just fun and games until some somebody sets fire to an oyster shell on the wall. Um, but that'll that'll be that'll be at a later minute. Brett, thanks so much for being on the show. This has been a, a, an epic time, and it uh, is absolute and, treat for me. Uh, love uh, this movie and love what you guys are doing with it. And uh, if if there's any justice, if they ever do the commentary or do release a, a, a Blu-ray or a DVD with a commentary, you guys should get the job. Ho- hopefully, we'll see. We'll that would be a hoot. <laughs> if, if you, you guys have earned it, Disney, please let us know. I I, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that very much. Uh, I I own four shares of Disney stock. Ah, well, <laughs> I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> We'll have to check the uh, we'll have to check the market tomorrow and see if this particular <laughs> episode has pushed everything up. But ho- hopefully, it will be. Uh, please, folks, if you haven't been to uh, to uh, uh, Five Minutes of Trouble out there at uh, it's Five Minutes of Trouble dot com, right? Isn't that where where yeah, people we, are going? Yeah, yeah. We, we are five at Five Minutes of Trouble dot com. It's a it's a radical departure. We do we do the movie in five minute increments. 
We've had some people complain of uh, time-space dilation. We did have one guest who sort of aged about 80 years at the end of the episode. We still can't figure out what we did wrong. But, uh, there, yeah, but there is danger. Did, did their fingernails grow out? Did they, uh, nah, she just ended up looking like uh, the female astronaut at the beginning of Planet of the Apes. Oh, darn. It was a bummer. But, uh, you know, these are the risks of Movie Minute podcasting. We don't like yeah. talking about it. Uh, no, but it's in the it's in the can. People can enjoy this in one monster binge. That's the yeah. best part. It's the best part. It's not a, you know you don't have to wait for tomorrow. It's tomorrow's already here. Um, but you also have a uh, you also have a, a radio script uh, show as well. Yes, on. yes, real excited about this. It's a show produced by a good friend of mine, Amy Pavy. It's called Twelve Chimes. It's midnight, and it's a throwback to the uh, the, the to the tongue twisters of the 1930s. The suspense <laughs> thrillers of the 1930s and 40s, the lights out and the inner sanctums, you know, the uh, the audio predecessors to The Twilight Zone and Alfred Hitchcock Presents. And uh, we did a short first season of five episodes. My podcasting partner, Josh Horowitz, got involved. He's the, uh, he's the announcer for the show. He's positively ghouly. It's wonderful. Yeah, and we got a second season that we're working on as we speak. Uh, we're writing episodes. We're performing in episodes. Uh, yeah, and instead of talking about stories, we're in the stories. Wow. Well, it's it's a, yeah. a, a logical next step. So like yeah, a lot of just, fun. You know, it, yeah, it's it's a gas. And just trying to cat recapture, uh, you know, the nuances and um, some of the conventions of these, especially the 1930s uh, radio melodramas. So uh, please give us a listen. Twelve chimes. It's midnight. Mm. And yeah, I mean, it, it's wonderful how podcasting has kind of resurrected the audio format. People listen in their cars, listen on their treadmills, listen out in the woods. It it's amazing how much time people have found to 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 do these things. They can they can do this without having to uh, stop and watch a watch it's, a big screen. It's healthy for me because so. dealing with, you know, Bay Area traffic every day yeah. uh <laughs> <laughs> Listening to your soothing voices is uh, uh, a lot better for my psyche. Well, uh, we appreciate being your uh, <laughs> your calm before the before, before the storm of facing the world. Um, but we thank, will be you, your thank, happy thanks place. for listening. <laughs> Take me away. We're like Calgon in a wow. <laughs> in headphones. Oh. So uh, we'll explain that one uh, next <laughs> that episode. How's that? Yes, yes, next time. <laughs> Tune in tomorrow, kids. But for those who'd like to join us on our on our little social media uh, conversations, we are available at a multitude of social media um, mediums. No media. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at uh, Rocketeer Minute. The uh, also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rocketeer Minute, and uh, of course the great big site. Say it along with me, RocketeerMinute.com, where you can pick up every previous episode and every future episode that we're ever going to make is going to be on there too. So keep checking back on that. Or you don't even have to check on it. Just go to uh, iTunes or uh, Google Play. Uh, type in Rocketeer Minute. When it, when our name comes up, click on it and hit subscribe. And boom, every morning, actually the night before, Monday through Friday, you'll get us delivered hot and fresh with a brand new episode every day. So uh, check back on all those opportunities. Uh, we will see you here tomorrow as we watch more mayhem in Panic in the... Well, it's not a disco. It's Panic <laughs> in the Big Band era. <laughs> clarinets clarinets of twitter uh but we'll we'll be here tomorrow on the rocketeer minute so until next time over and out